Today's episode is sponsored by Ava. Stop missing hot leads when you're out with a client or spending time with friends and family. Ava is a professional inside sales team and will respond to and nurture leads 24-7. And you step back in when the leads are ready to talk to an agent. Visit reraw.com forward slash Ava to learn more. Again, that's reraw.com forward slash A-I-V-A. Looking to take you and your real estate business to the next level? You're in the right place. Laying foundations for real estate success? This is the No Fluff, No BS podcast about real estate for real estate agents and other industry professionals looking to up their game. Unfiltered short-form sales meetings, interviews with agents from every walk of life, and ramble sessions about everything real estate. Welcome to a new mindset. You are listening to Reraw. And now, introducing your host, James Hoff. And so we say hello again to another Wednesday spent together. Well, before we hop into the interview with today's guest, please, please, please remember to head over to reraw.com. That's R-E-R-A-W.com. And the only reason I want you to go over there is so that, one, you have access to all the resources and all the good stuff that we talk about today, the tips, tricks, all the good stuff you can click on, on the show notes and whatever else you want to see past episodes. And then, of course, so that I can, you know, snag your email and your contact information and harass you whenever I want. So head over to the website. It's reraw.com. Check out the show notes. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. So today I'm interviewing Anthony Pirro. And uh, how the heck are you, man? Every day is a good day. Every day is a good day. Well, it's uh, it's about time to get down to the raw side of the business. You ready to go? Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Anthony is a loan officer and don't cringe out there, realtors. He works for one of the big banks. I'm not going to tell you which one. We're going to keep that on the DL. But uh, he's been on the money side of the business for 14 years and specifically has been a loan officer for seven. Anthony closed between about 40 and $50 million a year in business for the last couple of years and is really only going to grow from there. He kind of comes from a family background in that uh, in that industry. So we'll, we'll tap into that a little bit. That's but right. uh, hey, man, so before we get into too much of the business stuff, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what you got going outside of work? Absolutely. Um so yeah, I work at one of the major banks, and unfortunately, we got to uh, keep that off the record for the time being until legal legalities. Um, uh, but you know, just kind of moving forward in life, you know, I come from a second generation of uh, mortgage professionals, um, all who are at uh, different banks. I love that, man. Uh, any any fun hobbies? What do you do to distract yourself when you're not you know crunching loans? Just you know, you got to have an outlet. Uh, I love music. I play guitar. Spend time with the dog. Spend time with the girlfriend, and enjoy life day by day. So, you decided that uh, you didn't want to stray too far away from the family biz, and and you suckered yourself into the the the, the money side of the business. And uh, oh man, I did everything I could to stay away. I um, you know, two thousand eight was a hard year. It's the only year I got out of the industry. Really, I tried to do insurance for. Um, about 12, 14 months. And I said, Hey, you know what? I got to go back to what I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and insurance, man. I, I don't know. I got some friends who are insurance agents and I got to tell you, it's like a, it's a special breed of person, you know, it's oh, like, I agree. If anyone could be hated more than the loan officer, it's gotta be the insurance agent. <laughs> oh, right? Nobody like, wants to hear from him. <laughs> <laughs> 
Unbelievable. How funny, man. Well, you know, we kind of have a special opportunity because we get we get a chance on, you know, myself as a realtor, you know, you're a loan officer and we get a chance to kind of hear from different perspectives. So, you know, I think that especially the big banks, real estate agents are constantly blaming the lenders for the mess ups. And I'm sure the I'm sure the lenders in, in many ways are always are blaming the real estate agents and everybody else. Right. We're always Absolutely. pointing the finger and it's not always the nice finger. But um I, I wanted to. I guess I wanted to kind of kick off by by talking to you about, you know, maybe maybe shed some light on the differences between the big bank versus you know what I think has been really coming up in the last couple of years with the more of the boutique lenders, the the smaller like the direct lenders. How are you different? How do you compete? What are, what are the costs and benefits? Um, I would say the number one thing that is. Uh, when it comes to the consumer, as far as you know, the the buyer themselves, the bank's always going to offer the lowest, uh, the lowest money at the lowest rate. It's going to always be the cheapest, and the reason being is, you know, we we have our own money. Um, yes, whether we we're writing agency loans, um, you know, would it be Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Jeannie Mae, whatever it might be, but we we have so much more leverage because of how much money we have, and why that matters is just simply that we can give the consumer, in this case, the buyer, a much lower rate, which saves them tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands over the course of the loan. So then the, the real estate agent in me says, uh, you know, as a, as a constant creating an objection to you, uh, says, yeah, that's great if you can close the freaking deal. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that, so, so, absolutely. And, and, and I want to, I guess I should clarify the, the comment that, you know, sometimes, uh, Sometimes we come across, you know, one big bank or one direct lender and it kind of ruins the game for all the others, right? Because yep. now we, we create our own biases. And, um, uh, I should tell the audience here, you know, I, I actually had a chance to work with Anthony, uh, by mistake, I guess, mm -hmm. um, through somebody else. You, you were on the other side. I had a listing and you represented, um, the buyer's loan, obviously. And, you know, I, I, I do not take, referral I don't refer business out to anybody that I don't usually work with or have like a personal connected referral from and I always tell folks I'm willing to test you on someone that you send to me uh, and not the other way around because I don't want to mess up relationships mm -hmm. with my clients and you know you work for a big bank I had my guard up I'm pretty sure the whole transaction and quite yeah. candidly I'm <laughs> pretty sure I was a dick to you a couple of times um, but you you gave like phenomenal customer service and basically had me put my foot in my mouth at the end of all of it by, by just being like, dude, it's, you know, it's understanding how to navigate the big bank that makes the difference. So I promise I'll stop talking and let you jump in on this interview, <laughs> but <laughs> what, what can you talk about? I, I think some of the logistics in the big bank causes lots of problems, mm -hmm. not just for the realtor, but for loan officers who bounce around a lot or don't have deep roots in one place and just understand how to navigate that. So can you talk about the importance of understanding the logistics of that? Because direct lenders have a lot more like personal connection with their underwriters and with the different departments. How do you deal with that in the big bank? You know, I think that's a great starting point because it's it's really scratching the surface. Is um, the thing with with most loan officers is that um, I have to admit there's a lot of them out there that who who don't communicate properly. And why? What I mean by that is that makes all the difference in whether it's a big bank or a direct lender. Is no news is worse than bad news. I'd rather give Absolutely. bad news than just no news. And why I'm saying that is is a lot of people when things start to go astray, a lot of loan officers, should I say, 
don't know how to deliver that information, so so they hide. And why I'm saying that is, yes, there are challenging things that do happen at, at a bank because they are going to look at things slightly um, more conservative than direct lenders who they're not servicing the loan. They're just going to write it and get rid of it. But why that matters is just if you can find a loan officer or an individual who can communicate thoroughly throughout the transaction from from the get-go, whether it's good news or bad news, and just be able to be honest and open and always transparent, I think that's really what makes the difference in general. That's what's helped me at being at a big bank. Um, and I, I don't see, and you know, I'm not trying to just pump my own nuts up, so to speak, but mm-hmm. you know, you don't see that a lot from every, from every loan officer. Sure. I, you know, I started it in this career when I was 15 as a telemarketer going, hello, do you want to refinance? And, uh, I mean that truly yeah. it was my uncle's uh, mortgage company and that's what we did. And, and I think just growing up within it with, uh, with my aunts, with my uncles doing mortgage, I learned that you need to communicate to the realtor and to the buyer and even sometimes to the seller with, with the permission of the realtors, what's going on. And that makes the mm-hmm. difference. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really, that's really insightful. And the other thing I would say though, about being at a big bank is navigating the waters. If you set for me, frustration is a result of unmet expectations. Mm-hmm. A lot of loan officers, I mean, want to just go after every realtor. We want to earn your business and they're going to promise you the moon. Well, I, I really feel like that's a, a uh, a setup for failure for loan officers. When you say, sure. I'll close this loan in 25 days and I'm going to do everything and be spectacular, you're not leaving yourself a lot of room. But mm-hmm. but if you're just honest with each realtor as far as communicating throughout the process, set their ex- expectations properly. If you look at a loan and say, hey, look, I did my review. The DTI is kind of tight. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know if this home's going to appraise or if it's a condo and it might, uh, not, uh, pass, uh, be a warrantable condo or they might have litigation set those things at the beginning because then sure. the realtor and the, and the buyer are a lot more willing to work with you. Absolutely. Now you, you obviously as you know, you've, you've got a pretty good book of business here and you're closing lots of deals. Can you, uh, you know, in a business that clearly you've been growing, um, you went from about 40 million a couple of years ago to 48 million this past year. And I, I presume you're, you're continuing that pattern of growth. Um, can you talk about just in general, what is, what is your vision of success? My vision of success is really continuity to be able to produce good amount of volume with very uh, with very minimal amount of origination activity, but having to always maintain those relationships. But in any market, whether rates are 10% or 1%, if you can always be consistent, that is what is what I truly believe in this industry, in the mortgage industry, is successful. So how does your vision of success as a businessman uh, fit into your vision of success as, as a person outside of work? Where, how do those, how do those things come together? Are you, uh, and, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with, with either answer. I'm just curious. Are you, I mean, are you trying to take over the world? Do you have a limit that you, you know, Hey, once I reach this, that's good for me. I mean, where, where does that separation come in? And uh, that's, uh, that's a really good question. Um, yes, I do want to take over the world. Um, lovely. (laughs) Join me, won't you? (laughs) James, I'm right here with you, (laughs) but it's a, it's a day, one day at a time thing. Um, and, um, just to go back a little bit, I think there was a a first part to that, that question that I really liked. Um, 
How does your success in business fit in with your personal life? That's what it was. They're really the same thing. My my whole thing just comes back to character. And it's about mm. if you can actually look at any one of your friends, any one of your family members, and especially yourself in the eye and say, look, I did everything I could. I know that I've, I am giving my best effort. I know that mm-hmm. I have gone the extra mile. And if you can sincerely look at that that best friend of yours, your your family member, your spouse, and know in your heart that you did that, whether you made $1,000 that month or you made 100000 that month, if you can sincerely believe that in your heart, sure. then to me, that's how, it, that's how you cross those lines. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you can live with yourself knowing that you've done everything you can, just like, you know, just like sports, if you've given everything out, that, then that's where my, I would say, uh, success is for me as a businessman and an individual. Good for you. I like that. So do you think that, um, do you consider yourself a workaholic? Absolutely. So how <laughs> do you, how do you keep yourself from burning out? When do you shut down? Um, Sundays. Sundays. Uh, you know, everybody's, everybody's different. Um, you know, I always grew up working late. Um, I always had mm-hmm. a job since 15. Um, like I said, I was a telemarketer Monday through Thursday, four to eight, work Saturdays. But also, um, I enjoy working. You know, I, it's just something that, that, that I, as a person, um, think I have a higher threshold for just because that's where I kind of find solace in is working and knowing I'm being productive. Um, so I, I always create the schedule that no matter what, you have to take Sundays off. You don't work. You enjoy everything about life. And that way, it kind of helps me keep things in perspective. Now, is that do you find that easy to do when you're in the middle of, you know, a chaotic time and you've got all your <laughs> business coming in? I mean, are there how, how well do you protect that time, I should ask? I mean, it's it's difficult. I mean, in, in an industry where, you know, the, the thing about the mortgage industry is it doesn't shut off. Mm-hmm. Um it's a hundred percent commission, and it's you. If you want to make ten thousand a month or a hundred thousand that month, you can do that. Right? How much? How much do you want to work? So the question is, how bad do you want it? And 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 that does there. And it doesn't mean a monetarily value or number. It's what matters to you. Right. And when and when that kind of starts getting taken into um, into account, it's very hard to keep your your rich your rituals and take that time off. But it's a very cognizant thing that I've had to do the last three or four years of no matter what, you got to take Sundays off and spend some time with the family. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, to, to kind of shout out to the listeners really quick, something I'm, I'm hearing from you that's really important is, is, you know, how bad do you want it? And I think we, we oftentimes put that out there as like a financial play, right? Like, how bad do you want something? Like, what is, monetarily, what does that mean for you? And I think I think we oftentimes forget, especially in a business like this that doesn't shut off, that's easy to work seven days a week. You'd work eight if we could find a way to do it, right? Like, it's it, it, the decision and the trade-offs that exist in this business are not all financial. You, your economic decision to how bad you want it, like... Okay, are you like for me the decision is like all right, am I missing the kids bedtime tonight or am I not? And there's that's an economic decision. Like there's always something else that I could be doing. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that I'm a bad dad if that night I got to work late and whatever, but like what like and what is it for you? What is it for you as an agent? What is it for you as a loan officer? And it doesn't mean that if you you know, if you're not working 15 hours a day that you suck. It just means that you've chosen to do something else. So I think 
if I could go on my little rant for a minute, like I think what a lot of agents and loan officers or, or title or anybody like that's, that's kind of building their own success. I think what a lot of people do is they forget that they have that choice and they, it's the, oh, well, I'm busy or I have all this other stuff going. Well, yeah, you do. But like that was your choice, you know, it, it's my choice to do this podcast. It's my choice to be doing this right now instead of showing a house. It's my it's my choice to coach my daughter's soccer game. It it actually forces me into that schedule. So I have to protect the time because then it mm-hmm. it gives me that like it's no longer an option. So I think what I think what is important for us as professionals to understand. And I love that you went down that path of you know, it's how, how bad do you want it? It doesn't mean that you have to sell your soul. It means that you have to create the boundary and understand what the worth of your sacrifices are. And those sacrifices don't necessarily have to mean less money. It just means like, I'm going to make more money in the time that I'm working because I'm more dedicated. I'm going home tired. Like it's all good. Or you know what? It's cool. I'm, I'm okay with making a little less because the time I spend with family, the time I like some people just want to travel the world. The time I do this, you know, I've, I've got a friend who does that. He, he's, he loves snowboarding and he's like, yeah, bro, like I'm not going to be in real estate forever. I've like literally close my deal and go two weeks up I'm in the out. mountains and then I come back and then I start my business over again, you know, but. You make that choice. So I think that's, I think that's insightful. So let me, let me transition a little just to talk specifically to the loan officers for a second. You know, what, what do you have to say to the loan officer that's just starting out? What are, what are the most important things that they should be focusing on as they get their career off the ground? Number one, um, because that's a great question, man. I mean, you asked me that and within two and a half seconds, I had 12 different thoughts. I mean, man, there's so many things, um, thinking back as, as I, when I first started. And I would say the number one thing is, uh, is definitely consistency. Hmm. Um, in, in what way? Consistency with what? I, I, I'm happy you said that because that word means everything. Okay. It really means everything as a loan officer in regards to, I think you need to be consistent in your schedule. Make a plan of what, you, what it is that you're going to do. Not, not what your goals are, but make a daily plan. You're going to make phone calls from two to eight, lunch with a referral partner at 12 to one, and then phone calls again from six to eight and keep to it. The consistency is the biggest thing. Um, now, and you ask in what other ways with your, with your relationships and your referral partners, be consistent because that's how you earn someone's trust. If you do a transaction with a realtor and they enjoyed working with you, you call them uh, a month later and they say, Hey, yeah, let's get together. I'm busy. And you say, I'll call you in a month. And if you don't call them in a month, you just lost their trust because you're not following through. Right. And my point is, is consistency with, with your, your relationships and your referral partners, consistency in your, your schedule, because being a loan mm. officer, you're not clocking in. Right. There, you know, I mean, a lot of people don't have to sit in front of a, 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 a computer all day. Right. So that freedom is also a very big challenge for a lot of people because they don't have structure. Obligation and structure can be a very good thing if it's perceived properly. Mm-hmm. Consistency in your schedule, consistency with your referral partners and your relationships, and with your customers. I mean, that's a huge thing with, with loan officers is we uh, tend to think of this business as a one transaction, one-time deal. Right. But, you know, when you build those relationships with those customers, you know, I I have customers I've done loans, five or six loans with for the last six years because... You're just consistently talking to them. Hey, 
Paul, it's been six months. Haven't talked to you. Wanted to see how things were going. Great. How was Germany? I know that was the last time we talked. Mm-hmm. Cool. Set, and then, you know, in your CRM system, set another calendar reminder. Give them a call in three or four months. Consistency is the number one thing that can help a young loan officer. Now, we talk about consistency, uh, which I think is great, by the way. Uh, if I could interject one thing, the earlier this year, actually, it's kind of funny. I was at a, I was at an event, uh, probably about 50 other people. And, you know, it's a business development event, not specific to real estate. This guy said, you know, consistency is important because it teaches you to trust yourself. Because when, when you, what, what ends up happening is is so often we, we like, we make a schedule and then we don't keep to it. And then we're like, I'll do that later. And then we don't do it. Right. And so we make promises, but the only promises we're breaking are to ourselves. Right. Absolutely. And subliminally, I don't want to get too like, you know, I won't go like too deep (laughs) down this like philosophical road here, but like, but what was interesting, if you think about, I'm really into like the, the brain hacking, like the, you know, there's this like biohacking thing going on right now. And if you don't know what that is, look it up. It's actually kind of cool. It's about understanding your body and the way your body processes stuff. And there's a whole like mental hacking thing you can do to understand how you personally and your brain processes things. And what's interesting is this guy said, you know, if you aren't consistent and you continue to write stuff down on your calendar and do and say that you're going to do things that you don't do, then eventually it's not everybody else that thinks you're a liar. You start thinking to yourself that you're a liar and then you can't even trust you. And the day that you can't trust yourself to, to stay committed to one thing, you're so screwed. Oh, yeah. totally, totally Absolutely screwed there. So anyway, that was my tangent, but what's, uh, so, so loan officer comes into the business. They got to focus on consistency in every facet. Mm-hmm. Where should loan officers be looking for business? Where should they be going? They're starting out, you know, not everybody's in their families ready to buy a house today, <laughs> right? So where do they go? Are they calling realtors? Are they like, what's their strategy? Um, I mean, that's a, that's a great starting point because to go a little, um, you know, personal on you the whole thing is is if you really believe in what you're selling and in this case a mortgage you're going to want to talk to everyone if you really believe in what you're doing and and you you want to get someone in a home and and they think oh i can only do 20 percent down you want to be ecstatic to be able to be like look there's other options or if if you believe you can save somebody money whether it's a refinance or a cash out refinance to pay off their debts you want to be excited. And my point is, is where can they find business is if they really believe in what they're doing, it can be all around you. It right. can be, I mean, you don't want to be the guy at the bar sitting there talking about, Hey, what, you know, what rates on your mortgage? <laughs> but, right. yeah, you right. know what I mean? But another beer for the guy at 7%. Yeah. Yeah. This guy, <laughs> this guy needs to do something now. No, but I mean, of you know, there's so many things to, to, go out there and do whether it's um of course there's lead providers there's uh great mentorships if you go to a bank where you know mm-hmm. you can have somebody who puts you in contact with um their book of business you can go through a junior program um but if you have the desire and the uh um initial effort to get into the industry there's so many things that you can do for business um and and realtors are just one of them it's a great asset to obtain and build your business on. But whether it's that, you can have a commercial banker who gives you businesses, uh, business because they don't do residential mortgages. Yeah. It could be a divorce attorney, you know, because, hey, they're coming across, you know, a new, uh, somebody who needs to go buy a new condo because they just got rid of their house. Sure. Um, it could also, of course, be an accountant. You know, everybody's holy grail is, you know, let me ask the accountant if this makes sense. Um, there's 
a lot of ways to go about business. Referral partner, leads, um, the banks. Really, if you just want to get involved, there's a million ways for you to be successful. So it's just about being in front of people and, you know, picking a path and just kind of going after it. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I have my business plan is always four buckets of origination. You need to have four different assets that are going to be presenting business opportunities to you. Okay. So take your book out on this people, because actually this is huge. Um, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket is, is a detriment to your business. And, you know, in fact, we saw that a lot, uh, when the market changed and Mm -hmm. everyone, everyone had been banking on refi business. And then all of a sudden the, you know what hit the fan and here, here we are, you know, then, then you start getting these, these guys who've done, you know, 90 to 95% of their business was all, you know, refis and and whatnot. And then I start getting calls from lenders I've never even heard of. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Man, you should see the fear in those guys' eyes today. They don't know what to do. I can hear it over the phone. Like, I don't even want to, they're, they must be white as a ghost, man. Cause it's just, uh, it's crazy. But yeah, you know, and, 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 you know, that's, there's a lot to say for that as real estate agents too. You know, you can't put all your eggs in one basket and you can't, you can't spend your entire day just calling FISBOs and expireds. You can't spend your whole day just door knocking. And that's not because, you know, well, I guess in California, all the houses might burn down, but that's not because like the houses will be gone tomorrow. But, you know, you can't put all your efforts into just one thing. Now, it, at the same time, you also shouldn't be doing like 20 different things. Yeah. You got to pick your top, I say your top two or three you know, maybe three or four, mm-hmm. um, but, but have stuff that you, that you set and write down and do all that. That's really cool. Now I'm going to switch gears and throw things over to the real estate side or the, the realtor side for a minute. I, I think realtors often, well, and maybe loan officers too. I, I feel like the opposing party feels like, you know, mortal enemies, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy. <laughs> Um, and you know, it's, it's a beautiful day when, when we find someone that's good to work with. Unfortunately, a lot of realtors try to partner up with someone who's willing to fund their marketing budget. Yeah. Um, I'm a big advocate for, uh, I give referral business to people who perform and, and that's it, you know, and if there's something else that comes from that down the road, then, then wonderful, but the relationship can't start that way or, Mm -hmm. or you're never held accountable. Can you tell me something that is perhaps a big misunderstanding that realtors have of the lending business that that maybe you could provide clarity on what what's something that real estate agents call you about that that they that like you just get off the phone and you're like man this guy just doesn't they just don't get it they don't realize that's not something I'm capable of doing because you know whatever <laughs> I feel uh, I feel guilty saying it you know because I'm on the other side of the screen right now <laughs> but it, it's it, it's funny because. Um, you're going to talk about me now? No. <laughs> no, not, not that transaction. <laughs> I w- what I would say is that it's not like 2006, guys. And what I mean by that is you can't beat us up and call us 100 times in a day saying, did the underwriter get to it? Did you need to have them get rid of this? Or It's not like that anymore. We have so much federal red tape that we can't get by that if we're asking for something and it's and it does seem a little obnoxious or just straight up stupid, I agree with you because I'm right. with you guys. I, all I want to yeah. do is close the transaction and, and 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 be on great terms with all that are there. Yeah, the guidelines don't make it easier for you to do your job Oh, either. absolutely yeah. not. And, yeah. and trust me, I mean, I've been doing this forever where if I can find my way around it, I've found it. Yeah. But if I'm coming to the point saying, hey, we do need to get that second appraisal or hey, there is a health and safety issue on this house. It needs to be fixed or we can't close. Right. Th- I'm only asking because I have to. Right. 
if there was something I could do to get those things waived, I would do it. And why I'm saying that is there's a lot of realtors that think that they can call and call and bug and call. Climb the ladder, go yeah. around you. And and at the end of the day, nine, uh, one, almost 100%, I'll say 99.99% of the time, it's right back where we started. Like, put that energy elsewhere because if I if we Never. are asking for mm-hmm. it, it's only because we have to. Because I'd rather not. Yeah, put that energy elsewhere is 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 like a major value bomb. And and you know for for the re-rock community out here, I mean, I think that's that's something we got to focus a lot on. You know, pick your battles. You mm-hmm. know, absolutely pick your battles. And the, you know, the reality is this: if you're frustrated about something, everybody's probably frustrated about it. I've yet to meet. The person that makes a hundred percent commission, you know, that's like, nah, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. I'm going to, you know what? I think I'm going to stand in your way. We're not going to do this. You know, like it's, it doesn't, that, that's not, that's not the case. Now, some people are a little more difficult to work with than others. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I get it. You know, we don't, we don't always get to pick our team. As I tell my <laughs> clients, you know, we don't always get to pick everybody we work with and that's okay. But we got to find ways to work together. And the lender wants to close it just as much as the realtor, just as much as the buyer and the seller and whatever, right? So, you know, pick your battles. And, and if there's a lesson to learn from this, it, it is that. Oftentimes we go barking up the tree and you sit there and go, man, if you spent as much energy just finding the freaking solution and getting that damn paper signed and mm-hmm. getting XYZ fixed, then like that as you're spending calling me and blowing me up, probably would be done with this by now. 100%. You know? Absolutely. Now, on the same hand, uh, you know, talking about real estate agents that have a misunderstanding of the lending business, can you talk to me about, and maybe the, maybe the answer is what you've already provided, but can you talk to me about something that frustrates you with real estate agents in general? Is there something that you see realtors doing wrong as a loan officer that you could shed some light on like, hey, agents, switch your game. You know, do this, do this differently and everybody's life gets better. Work with me. A lot, a lot of, a lot of real estate agents, because there's a lot of horror stories with lenders, um, they approach the situation going into it thinking it's going to be a bad thing. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. you're like, Hey, I haven't worked with this guy. I don't know. You probably get it a lot at a big bank too, because there's, there's 10 times the flags that go up when somebody, like if somebody... I'm just going to throw them all under the bus. But if somebody <laughs> goes, oh, yeah, B of A or Wells Fargo or Chase or U.S. Bank or like, you, you know, pick your pick your poison. And then and then uh-huh. the, the real estate agent immediately inserts their their face in their hand and goes, <laughs> oh, you know what? Yep. Are you sure? Because I could get you cross qualified with my direct lender and, like, yeah. you know, like my buddy <laughs> who can do this and like whatever. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it, it goes back to me saying like we don't always get to pick our team. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just kind of like. But, but that's a really good point is because, you know, and, and I'm going to say two things. And the number one is I said that because I'm like, you let that if you don't approach it properly or meaning if you if you approach this transaction thinking it's going to be bad, any little thing that goes wrong is going to be blown out of proportion and you're good and it becomes worse. But yeah, self-fulfilling prophecies. Yeah, absolutely. And I always say, hey, give me 10 percent of your trust. I'll, I'll earn the other 90 percent because at least let me at least give me the opportunity to do well. Or if I if I'm wrong, I'll be like, hey, you know what? We screwed up. I'll be the first guy to tell you that. But my point is, is at least we can go into it together. Because like you said previously, we're in this we're in this both to close the transaction. We're you know we're here to work together. Um, that that's number one. Number two is 
I guess I'm going to be speaking on behalf of all the big banks. But my point is, is like, don't just shut off the big banks because one, the, they're making every effort to make sure. I mean, I that we're closing on time. I, I just closed a transaction in 16 days. Now, that's the exception. It's not the rule. But, sure. but my point is, is that um, we're doing everything that we can. But also think about your client. If you're giving them a 5% rate when we can be giving them 4.375 because you want them to work with your buddy who's so-and-so's uncle who's going to get the deal done, that difference, whether on a $500,000 loan, you know, that's 350, 400 bucks a month. Yeah, that's big. And for 30 years, I mean, you're talking about, that's over $120,000 in difference. So my thing is, you know, Protect your clients. Best Protect interest. your clients. Thank you. You, you know what though? And I'm going to, obviously as a realtor, I got my realtor hat on all the time. And so my, my guard goes up right away because I think to myself, you know, I, I mean, that's, that's great. But I, I keep going back to this whole, like, but the, the rate's only good if you can close the damn deal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what we find as real estate agents, I think there's this idea, and this is true, actually. I mean, this does happen. So you can, I'll, I'll give you a chance to rebut, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But, you know, a lot of times we sit there and go, look, man, like, it's great for you to go to that company, but if they can't close, then what good is it? Yeah. And I would love for you to have that, but a lot of times that rate is like, if you're the strongest man with the right blood type and, you know... (laughs) Like you're, you, whatever, like you, you have to have, everything has to be exactly perfect. Your credit has to be like 1400, which doesn't exist, right? Like it just, (laughs) but the point is, is all of a sudden, you know, you go from that like 3.75 and now you're going, well, you know, now you're five and a quarter. Well, why did I, I thought I was going for 3.75 and people go, well, it's because you didn't meet all of the 300 other criteria and they go, well, shit, I wouldn't have picked you otherwise. The only thing I can rebut to that is James, you're a hundred percent right. I love it, that. Aaron, 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 <laughs> are, you're listening to this. No, I mean, 99.99%. <laughs> but that's why I have to tell you is urge your clients to get approved before they find the home. Right. I mean, because if that's the case, I could tell you those things right now. Like, hey, Mr. Smith, I ran his credit. I saw his assets. Here's his tax returns. If he got into a, a, a home today that they uh, accepted his offer... I can guarantee he would get X, Y, Z, you know, so know the situation on the front end. A hundred percent. Yeah. So many people, I I mean, I probably get at least two to three phone calls a month where it's like, Hey, we just opened escrow. We wanted to get, uh, we want to get a loan. Great. Have you been pre-approved? No. Okay. You know what? That's really funny. I I can't, and I can't believe this. I, I'm just recalling exactly the transaction I met you on. Um, and Jeff, I, I'm not going to say his last name, but if Jeff listens to this, um, you know, I'm not flipping you the bird over here. Uh, it turned out to be a good thing. You know, what's funny is <clears throat> I'll share the story real quick because it, it actually ties directly into this. I was having a, a buyer that uh, non, non-contingent, they were selling their property. They were making a non-contingent purchase and everything ended up working out well. But I gave them a direct lender who I work with, who also is going to be on the show and um, does a ton of business. He's very good. After we opened escrow, Jeff decided to shop the rate. And I get a phone call from Jeff and he says, dude, just, I mean, the rate is like stupid good. And, and by the way, the, the guy ended up buying for like, you know, a million two plus, you know, mm-hmm. so it was a big, you know, we're not talking small pennies here when it comes to a difference in rate is a lot of money. And I just, I cringed because I didn't know you. 
I I hated the bank uh, that you worked at, and I, I had think you were a but... dick at the beginning. Oh, big time, dude! <laughs> I mean, for sure. Like I, and you know what's funny is I literally and I and I recall. I mean, usually in these cases, uh, you know, if you have the unfortunate happening where somebody after you open escrow decides to go down that road and you bang your head into a brick wall a few times and wipe off the blood and then come back to the table and collect yourself. But I, I remember, I remember the the phone call. I had said something to the effect of, all right, man, well, listen, like you're starting late, you know, we're keeping the other guy in the game. If you can't close, I already have someone who can save your butt, but please don't make promises. You can't keep everything needs to stay on time. Here's the timelines, blah, blah, blah. I'll get you the contract. But like, I'm not happy about the situation. And I was very, 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 I can't even say very enough <laughs> with how resistant I was to this whole deal. Yep, you were. And I, I was I was so pleasantly surprised. And at the end, what, what came about was the rate was way better. Mm-hmm. The rate was way, way better. And my the comment that I had made to Jeff was, hey, if it works, and I had this conversation at least three or four times during escrow. I'm like, bro, you have to understand. The rate is better. I get it. If he can close. If he can close, if he can close. And it kept coming back to the, if he can close and, uh, but you did, and mm-hmm. it was great. And, you know, all, all I can say at the end of that, the lesson learned for me was, you know, like you said, give you 10% of the trust and then you'll earn the other 90, but you did. And, and yeah. I'm not here, you know, to blow smoke up your ass, but I just, you know, there was a lot, there was a lot learned for me in that moment too, because, you know, we all, we all have our own agenda. And you have to be really, really careful in not letting your own personal agenda get in the way of what's best for your client. And it is, and, and guys, it's a fine line because sometimes we think we know what's best for our client, but in reality, like we may be standing in the way of what's best for them. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, that's my weird story. But yeah, I forgot about that. I was trying to, I was trying to rack my brain for a minute. Like how, what was that transaction? And that was it. That was the one. Good old Jeff. Um, good old Jeff. Yeah, we still we still talk about you from time to time. Sometimes it's good too. Let's talk about favorite favorite technology, favorite stuff that you uh, that you leverage and access and, and use. Do you have any any favorite stuff that helps you be more efficient? Um, for other loan officers, I got to say you got to get a you got to get a good CRM. Find something that keeps you organized. Um, any, any favorites that you got? Um, you know I. I got to say that I, I do uh, enjoy the Velocify, the Lion's Desk. I think those are two good ones. Um, but the Velocify, I think it's a great product, but mostly just because of the organization. You know, I can talk to a customer. I can say, hey, um, you know, let's go ahead and get you in this home. They say, hey, you know, I got to go uh, out of the country for a little bit. Call me in six months. You set a note, forget about it. And six months later, I'll get a text message and an email reminding me to call, you know, Joe Blow, whoever it is. So definitely get a good CRM to keep you organized. It's it's really hard to uh, um, to stay organized in this industry. You know that's interesting. I think that uh, on social media, that's probably one of the most common questions that comes up. Aside from uh, where, how did you pick to hang your license at that broker? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but people are always asking, "What's the best CRM?" And the the most common answer is uh, the the one that you're going to use, but. You know, oftentimes I think we, we overcomplicate stuff, right? And we try to go to something that has all the bells and whistles and oh, the, the CRM has a, you know, it's got a dialer with it and it's got yeah. the, the whatever and all this. All this, this is shit so cool. <laughs> right. And like, you know, I don't know. I remember back when I worked at Callaway, we must have had three or four different systems that we used and they all, they all talk to one another. And I think sometimes it's hard to connect those dots as a, 
you know, small business owner, right? You're, you're, you're your own boss and your marketing and your sales and your operations. You're like, ah, crap, you know, like how do you figure it all out? But, um, yeah, sometimes we overcomplicate it. So finding, finding a CRM that's not Excel, uh, is, is nice. And there is a purpose for Excel, by the way, Huge. but, but you got to do something other than that. But, but like I, you know, you said it jokingly, but it's so true is the one that you're going to use. I mean, yeah. and you know, it's so easy nowadays in regards to just having the technology, but you have to make that conscious effort day in, day out, do this right now, do this right now. And when you do that with a CRM, you, within like a couple, you know, I'd say a couple weeks, all of a sudden you're like, wow. I'm pretty organized. I got a lot of things going, you know, going for me. Yeah. But that makes, that's the, probably one of the biggest, um, habits and attributes of top loan officers that's in common is being organized. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I think one of the best ways to back into what's right for you is trying to figure out what your needs are. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times we sit there and we look at all the, the amenity that, a CRM or any service for that matter can provide. And we sit there and go, Oh, cool. Well, this, like I said before, this one, this one has the dialer and this one can do like, you know, the, the texting and the, you know, the silent voicemail drop and all this other stuff. And at the end of it, it's like, Oh, I was really just looking for a place to store my contacts and like make a note. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, wait, 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 hang on a sec. Like, you know, so I think, I, I think, uh, to interject my own opinion on that is like, you know, if you are searching for a certain CRM, think about what your needs are mm-hmm. and, and just focus on satisfying those needs. And, and yeah, we're all looking for the, well, what if I grow bigger? Well, you know what? At, when you grow bigger, cross that bridge. Yeah. Don't put the cart in front of the horse. I mean, yeah. you know, you're not even there yet. Right. And, and, and you, and you gotta, yeah, you gotta start somewhere. And, and PS, most of the companies out there, there's a lot of young CRMs out there right now and they're growing with you. You know, they're going to grow as your business grows too. And, and they, a lot of them actually are on social media. Like Lion Desk is great. The, the owner of the company, for God's sake, has a Facebook group that he interacts and engages with and says, Hey, what do you think if I do this? That's like, so would that cool. be cool? And people come back and they're like, No, 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 don't do that. You know, and <laughs> okay, okay, Stop. I won't, you know, so it's, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just really, yeah, there's a lot of cool, um, there's a lot of cool things out there, but don't overcomplicate it. Figure out what your need is and go from there. Any final thoughts as we kind of wrap things up and any, any last words you want to give to, to our agents and loan officers out there and then maybe tell everybody the best way they can keep in touch with you? Yeah. You know, I, I got to say whether you're a realtor or a, a loan officer, young or old, it's not about how fast we, we, we move, but all that matters is that we keep moving forward. You know, there's, there's times where you put, if you're a realtor, you put, um, you know, three trans, uh, three open three escrows in a month. And then there's times where you go three months with not even op- talking to somebody who wants to list or buy a home. Right. But no matter what, I, I would say just just keep going. Just keep going because at the end of the day, it all comes together if you're doing the right things and you're moving forward. Oh, that's awesome. So if anyone wants to keep up with you or, or tap into your brain or just touch base or connect, is there? Uh, how can we find you? Yeah. Um, so like I said at the beginning, because of legal reasons, I can't use my um, my bank email. So I'm going to actually give you my personal email. You wow. can reach me at acpiro, that's P as in Paul, I-R-R-O, at gmail.com. And of course, if you ever want to shoot me a text or give me a call, you can uh, always reach me at 323-369-0406. Well, that's awesome, man. Thank you very much. And uh, really do appreciate you being here today. It's uh, it's cool to get perspective from the loan officer side. A lot of, a lot of great value. 
Um, you know, and I think real estate agents and loan officers alike, you know, I'd, I'd like to just kind of resurface that big message of consistency and and follow through and just, you know, picking something that you love and do it and believe in it, whatever you're selling, like live, breathe, you know, play that game. Um, I think that's really powerful. And for those of you who didn't catch the, the contact info, I'm going to go ahead and put that on the show notes. So um, my final shameless plug for Reraw is make sure you head over to reraw.com. And, uh, and check it all out. We've been talking to Anthony Pirro from an unnamed bank, but a big giant bank. Um, your most hated banks are the big giant ones, right? But we've been, uh, we've been talking to the man, and uh, it's nice to get that perspective. So thanks for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to the next one, my friend. Absolutely. All right. Today's episode is sponsored by Lead Pages, an easy drag-and-drop model to create unlimited mini-sites or landing pages for just about anything, including social media campaigns or single-property sites. Stop wasting time on clunky websites and try Lead Pages today. For a 14-day free trial, you can visit reraw.com forward slash lead pages. Again, that's reraw.com forward slash lead pages.